What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Julius Dean is the most popular social media creator in the world. He has tens of millions of followers across various platforms, and he earns billions of views per month. Julius is also an incredibly intelligent businessman who understands the business behind content better than most. In this conversation, we discuss growing social channels, earning billions of views per month, making videos go viral, scaling a content team, building an eight-figure business, and why Julius is excited about Bitcoin. I really enjoyed this conversation with Julius, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. Those products include a high-yield interest account, a U.S. dollar loan product against your crypto collateral, a no-fee cryptocurrency trading platform, and also a Bitcoin rewards credit card. I've got my Bitcoin rewards credit card, and I'm absolutely in love with it. I basically just swipe the card, just like any other credit card, but rather than get cash back or airline miles, I'm getting Bitcoin back. That's right, Bitcoin back on my credit card. Go to BlockFi.com slash POMP today to get the Bitcoin reward credit card. It's a regular credit card, but you get Bitcoin back. BlockFi.com slash POMP. Go get the credit card if that's what you're into. BlockFi.com slash POMP. Next up is Choice. It's time to stop paying capital gains taxes on your Bitcoin, and Choice is here to help. Choice is rebuilding the way Bitcoiners approach retirement by making it possible to invest in Bitcoin and 19 other digital assets inside your IRA. Right now, every time you make a trade, you have to pay capital gains taxes that can be as high as 37%. Choice enables you to trade real Bitcoin, other crypto, and stocks without having to pay a dime in capital gains. The best part, they just released an iOS app so that you can open an account in less than 10 minutes and take control of your future from the palm of your hand. Join me and 20,000 other Bitcoiners who have started their tax-efficient stack and open a Choice account today. That's right. I've got an IRA at Choice. Go to choiceapp.io slash pomp or search StackSats in the App Store. Choiceapp.io slash pomp or search StackSats in the App Store. And one more thing. If you want to hold your own private keys, Choice lets you do that too. So go start stacking sats in a tax-efficient manner at choiceapp.io slash pomp. Next up are my friends at Circle. If you manage corporate or institutional funds, you're probably looking for ways to access opportunities in crypto. You see the growth and the momentum and you want exposure. But a lot of institutions don't know how or aren't comfortable with the risks of some of the assets. Now there's a new investment that's built specifically to help institutions get into digital assets. It's called Circle Yield. It's a blockchain-based investment built with USDC, the leading dollar digital currency. Circle Yield is over-collateralized and fully secured with Bitcoin collateral to protect your funds. This also makes it a great fit for crypto institutions who want to diversify their treasuries and reduce risks while staying on chain. You get your choice of terms from 1 to 12 months and a fixed rate that's higher than what you'll get at a bank or in many fixed income markets. Visit circle.com slash pomp to book a meeting with one of their experts. Circle.com slash pomp to book a meeting. If you are looking to get higher yield and you want to use stablecoins, circle.com slash pomp. Go there, check it out. All right, let's get this episode with Julius. Hope you guys enjoy this one. 
Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I have Julius here with me. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh, For those that don't know, Julius is, uh, by many different measurements, the number one social media creator in the entire world. Uh, I'm going to read out a couple of statistics here that people may not know. Uh, You've been the number one most viewed Facebook page six of the last 12 months. You've got over 60 million followers across all the social media channels. You've done over a billion views per month on YouTube now for many months, and you're single. So you got a whole bunch of stuff going for you. And a virgin. (laughs) Single, a virgin, and the number one. Uh, One of those is a lie. I'll I'll leave one up to you. (laughs) Social media creator in the world. Uh, Let's walk through how the hell did you build this? Like, I think a lot of people have seen your videos, but they may not actually know who you are or your stories. Like, how did this get built? Yeah, well, there's two parts of it. There's what I'm doing right now, which is the production company behind the scenes part. And there's the kind of rise of how I grew on social media. Okay. And for those that may recognize me, you may have seen me online doing magic tricks on the streets. I traveled around the world doing magic. I'm from London. And that's how I built the kind of initial following. I went to different countries, Jamaica, Africa, Israel, London, Miami, doing magic. Those videos went viral on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. And that's how kind of was there one video in the beginning that you just put it up and it took off and you're like, oh, wait, what is this? And you start paying more attention that you can remember like that was what grabs your attention to focus on social media? Yeah, great question. Uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a few like super videos that were like, okay, this has been game changing. One video I did where I did magic with my grandma. I got 60 million views on Facebook, built a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram. I did a magic trick where I levitated on the streets. That got 100 million views on Facebook. And then again, leaked over to Instagram. And then I did a video with Drake with a lollipop video where you know I made him think of a, think of a superhero, put a lollipop in my mouth. He said, Batman, pulled out the lollipop, was Batman. That video ended up going super viral all over the internet. And that kind of helped build as well. So those are like three of the videos that helped. And so when you were doing those, was it quote unquote luck in the sense that you'd put in work as a magician, you'd obviously build a skill set and, and you had kind of perfected that craft. But the idea of putting it online and making it go viral, it was less about making it go viral and they kind of just took off and then you studied why they went viral? Yeah, no, listen, it's it's a great question, right? Um, It was very strategic. Okay. Right, As as a child, I was passionate about magic, right? And as a young adult growing up in London, going to university, I was passionate about social media, Mm -hmm. right? Fusing the two together, it was magic and it was content and it was extremely strategic. And when you watch any of my videos, whether it's the content that I've been producing recently or it's the content that I've been posting over the last four or five years, they all follow a very similar format. And the format of that is that it's highly engaging from start to finish. If you watch any of my videos that have gone viral, they're extremely interesting. You can watch them with or without sound and you're hooked. And that's, you know, it works very well with magic as well. I mean, magic is in itself gripping. So I want to talk about uh, kind of the recipe for a viral video, right? You've just mentioned a couple of things. One, engaging the entire time. It's interesting. It can be played with or without sound. And also uh, you're able to hold attention, which we know a lot of the platforms all measure. Walk me through, like if you had to come up with a video on the spot, what are like those key ingredients yep. that you look for if you're going to create like a 60 second video? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so all videos follow a very a similar, like the most viral videos. Of course, there are exceptions where, you, you know, something will go viral that's not typically, you know, follow the formula. Firstly, a clear hook, right? Let's take an example of a magic trick. Let's take that, that, that Drake lollipop video, right? Straight away, think of a superhero, right? 
okay, something's going on. There's there's something exciting about to happen, a clear hook. Or even if it's something that, you know, let, let, you know, your audience are, are, are business people, they're entrepreneurs. So I want to make it relatable to people listening at home in terms of how they're going to create their content as well. Because people listening to me right now, they may not want to be a magician, right? They want to do other things as well, right? And I'm going to talk later on about how I've taken this formula and my strategy and I've adapted it so much so that now I have, you know, a 30 person team creating content that I'm supervising and involved in, but I'm not always in the videos. Yes. Right. So this formula, people might be thinking, oh, yeah, it's magic. Yeah, he's a magician. He's a cool magician. Oh, we've got Drake in the video. But no, 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 no. We have, I, you know, I've, I've taken this. We've, we've, we've applied it to so many different types of videos, hundreds and hundreds of videos. Right now, I have a team in Mexico creating content, following the formula, the strategy that, that, that I have been very focused on, and it's working. The, you know, the, the numbers do the talking, it's working. So first thing, clear hook, right? That makes sense, right? Yes. Similar to if you see a viral video on TikTok with, with Gary, let, let's not even use the word viral. Let's just call it a, a popular video. Right, because virals, you know, to you know, debate what is viral. A popular video on social media, let's say Gary Vaynerchuk. Right, what would a great hook to a video be? How to make a million dollars by the time you're 30 years old? Boom, you're introducing a hook at the beginning. Yes. So whether you apply it to business or you apply it to magic or you apply it to fitness, how to how to um you know how, how to lose how to get a six pack in in under three months? That's a hook. Something yes. that's going to tell the audience to keep watching. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes. Okay. Secondly, constantly progressive. Right? When you're watching a video, you want it to move through fast. And if you go and see any of the content that I'm putting out or any of the content that's popping on Reels or TikTok or, or YouTube Shorts right now, it's constantly progressing. It doesn't drag. Right? It, it, describe that a little bit more when you say constantly progressing. Is this the speed of the video? Is it the, the actual content and the, the talking and it's holding your attention? Yeah, I, I have to kind of talk in general because okay. unless this video is popping up on the screen, I will talk in general. But in, in general, you don't want a video to, 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 to pause and to feel like it's boring. If there's nothing happening, like one of the one of the kind of things I, you know, when I went, let's just talk about magic, right? If I'm ever posting a, a magic trick on the internet, we try to not edit the videos too much because then people think it's like VFX or CGI yeah. or like, oh, he's cutting through. But at the same time, we don't want those dead moments on the screen, mm-hmm. right? So if you're gonna if you're trying to create an amazing piece of content at home, right? I mean, you know, don't don't let the video die and lag. Don't let those boring moments because you want them to get to the end of the video. That's the aim of the game. The aim of the game is to get people from the start to the finish. And you can do that with whatever social media techniques you want, right? You can do that in yourself through great conversation and being able to to communicate really clearly. You can do that through visuals and speed ups and slow-mos and cut-ins and circles and animations and and, and keyframes. So whether whether it's yourself or whether it's your editing and production team, you just want it to be feeling like it's constantly progressing, right? So even for example, if we're gonna have a 45 minute conversation right now, if you're trying to make a great piece of social content out of this, you chop it down, you get the, the banging moments, you make it interesting at the beginning, you come up with something that they, they need to watch till the end and you jump through it at a reasonable speed. How reasonable? Obviously it depends on, you know- The audience what, what the bi- and the creator, yep. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we got the hook, then we've got uh, the progression of it, what else? Yeah, uh, um, this is a big one, right? Interesting without sound. Okay, explain. Right, so the co- okay, so a magic trick, right? Mm-hmm. So before before I the kind of the next stage of what I've been up to, I built you know twenty million followers on Facebook just through solely magic. Mm-hmm. Right now, people from all the, all over the world understood those videos. Right? Why? Because magic is an international language. Correct. Right. You don't need to be able to. To, to, to speak the language, to, to, to understand a magic trick, right? You could, you know, you could take someone from China who can't speak a word of English and you show them, you know, a silk going into the hand, boom, disappeared. Everyone understands that. Children, old people, 
young people, you know. Everything in between. Exactly, exactly. So again, it's, it's so, we've created so much content from, 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 from magic to like sketches, like prank type things. So we've created so much different types of content, but, but if you want to get a super viral, right? Like, I mean, we've had videos, you know, we had a video on YouTube last month, they got 250 million views. We had a video on Facebook a few months ago, they got 800 million views, 800 million views on one single video on Facebook. And, you, and, and all of our videos, we've had videos with 50 million views, 100 million views, 200 million views, many, 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 many of these super viral videos. They all follow the same formula in that they're interesting without sound. You can understand them without sound. And that's so important because if you understand about sound, then it appeals to su that guy, a perfect example, uh, you know, Car Kahabi Lane, you know. Yes, the second guy. largest TikTok account. The, the perfect world. example that yes. everyone understands his content, yes. right? Everyone, because it's just interesting without sound. It goes so. across both uh, geographies and language, but also it goes across whether you can have the sound on or not, you can still watch the video. Exactly, yeah, so, so like imagine uh, like, the algorithm, right? And it's and it's reading all these different types of like videos coming in every second. And obviously as a content creator for yourself and myself, for anyone who, who's listening at home right now, they want their content to get picked up on the feed. Correct. Right? But if I'm posting a video, right? And it's going out to let's say a thousand people to start with, because obviously it will start smaller than if it, if it gets good feedback, it will keep mm -hmm. going and get and, and trend. If it's getting a much higher, um, you know, feedback from, from, from all, a whole variety of people straight away, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, whatever it is, they go, oh, this is a good video. Yeah, people are engaging with this. Pop it out, pop it out, show it to more people. And you know, it's a great example of you know, why, why certain creators are just going so viral. And so when you think about uh, the business that you started with, it wasn't really a business, right? It was just basically you putting up content, you started to accumulate a massive amount of followers. At what point do you say, hey, this isn't just a content idea or a content um, kind of focus for me. This is actually going to be a business. Like what was that uh, that moment that kind of pulled you over into thinking about it as a business? Um, no, I, I always like understood the business of social media. Okay. Like... I mean, it's not rocket science to see that like, I mean, back in the, I mean, again, I'm going to, I'm going to take magic. It's just the, the yep. classic of kind of what my, my bread and butter, how I built my brand. Um, you know, as a magician, I mean, every, every TV, every, every magician wants to be a TV magician, right? It's like, oh, I want to be like David Blaine. I want to be like Chris Angel. Ooh. But, but, you know, back in the day, it was all about meeting the right producer. You know, it was mm -hmm. all about that opportunity, the hustle, the, the, the networking. Um, but that, you know, when I was, when I was, you know, I'm 27 now, when I was 21, I was starting this game. I, I didn't really want to wait around for that. So I saw mm -hmm. social media as an opportunity in which I could, you know, build my own channel, post my own type of content. And for anyone that's listening at home right now, like, you know, if you, if you want to build your own personal brand, like you know, just like cryptocurrency is becoming every single day so much more relevant and so much more universally known and more people every day are clocking onto this, 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 this thing. Same with social media, like people like, get on with it, start po posting content, like it's powerful mm -hmm. and you know, it's there for the taking. So for me, it was there for the taking, you know, social media was, was kind of, you know, you, you had your kind of OG YouTubers that were kind of blowing up all these other platforms, Facebook, Instagram started was starting to become popular. So yeah, I jumped on it and started, you know, I saw that was an opportunity. I saw that as a business pretty early on. How old are you now? 27. 27. And how long did it take you to build this? Like when did you start? Well, again, there's, there's, there's kind of, there's new waves, right? Yep. The, the, the best content creators are always adapting. Correct. Especially during the pandemic. I had to adapt significantly because magic is not a thing during during the, the biggest pandemic that I've ever seen. Well, you could do ma magic on yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, magic from a distance, you know, hey, pick a card. <laughs> Put the cards down, run away. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, it but I'm 27 now, but, but it took, it, it didn't take, honestly, it was a 6-12 month grind to kind of 
you know, get that first viral video and then it was a progression. Mm-hmm. And then when you get the super virals, all of a sudden you get boom. It's in flash traffic, points. Yeah. But the, lo- the last year has been absurd. You know, the, you know, it's been like a total change in kind of my strategic approach, my mm-hmm. commercial approach. But but I'll talk about that in a little bit. Let, let's just go back to the kind of foundation of it all. Um, yeah, it took, it, took, it, took, it, took, it took six to 12 months and then took a couple of years to kind of, you know, keep, it's been, it's been an evolution. There's, there's never been a moment which I've been like, okay, this is it. Before you professionalize the content and now even include things where you're not in the content, walk me through, like, how are you creating this video? Is it literally on a cell phone? Do you have multiple people with like professional cameras? Are you editing the content where somebody else editing the content? Like what, what did that look like when you started? Yeah. So again, for any of you guys that are listening right now, because you know, there are going to be a, a percentage of people that probably have seen me and are oh, cool, Julius, magician. Like, yeah, I want to learn what he's up to. There's been a percentage of people that have probably seen these like super wacky, crazy viral Facebook videos over the last year or, or the, you know, they've also been repurposed for TikTok and YouTube. So they're going to be interested in that. And there's going to be a percentage of people that are like watching this right now being like, yeah, like what's this guy talking about? But I want to do this myself. Mm-hmm. Here's a bit of golden advice for you. Um, We can, you know, we have, we have like sick camera equipment, right? Because I have a whole production team, you know, with, with loads of different camera equipment. We film almost everything on our phone, right? Why? Because it comes up in portrait, comes up bigger on the screen. If you're on TikTok, if you're on Reels, if you're on YouTube Shorts, if you're on Facebook, literally comes up bigger on the screen if you film it in portrait. By portrait, what I mean by that is this is this is portrait. Filming mm-hmm. like that, that's landscape. Landscape yep. is when it's wide. Um, so a lot of people, they try and film it on fancy cameras, but we've just found phones work so much so much better. I mean, it's easy to, to edit, right? It's, you, you can move in dynamically, almost like a, like a gimbal. You can just move it in and out. So for what we were doing, and what I was doing, especially with the Magic, it also felt so much more raw. Mm-hmm. People, and, and, I, I, and I believe that the social media is moving from like um, to, to more authentic content, right? And, and, and that people want to see that. So, and, and that's Magic worked really well because, you know, you're filming on an iPhone. It just, it just feels really like, oh, off the cuff fly on the wall. So that's what we were using. I was using, you know, a lot of, a lot of iPhones and we still do. Talking about the editing process. So, uh, you come up with an idea, you go, you execute on that idea, whether it's where you're living or it's somewhere else in the world. Uh, you've filmed this on a phone. What happens between the time that you get done filming it to it getting posted? So again, two waves. Are we talking about the ultra viral taking over Facebook? Cause that's what's happening right now. Right. And now I have, you know. You are the king of Facebook. <laughs> Facebook's been a crazy one this year. Yeah. Right? Six, Fa- six of the last 12 months, you are the number one most viewed Facebook page in the entire world. So you definitely understand the Facebook algorithm better than anyone else for the most part. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, how are you editing those videos? So now I have built a team, right? Mm-hmm. So now I have five editors, right? Okay. So it's, you know, it, it, and I, and it, but it started with one. Okay. Right. So it started with me. Filming on the streets, like trying to figure this out. Cause again, people are gonna be, you know, I'm, I meet people, you know, I meet people with even people who are like multi, multi, multi millionaire rich, but they still don't know how to do it. Correct. Right. I mean, I was, I was with some guys yesterday at an event and, and, and they're, they're trying to talk about like, how do you find your editors? How do you do social media? Like it is difficult. Even it, like, you know, money aside and finding the right editors, like um, that aside, it's tough to find the right people. Cause mm-hmm. the, the way I think about it is that if you're trying to build a team, which, you know, everyone that's trying to take, their, their business seriously, you, you got to do that in any business. Um, it's tough to find great people. I always say, I think 95% of video editors in general will do a bad job. Mm-hmm. That's my experience, maybe even like 98%. Um, but so yeah, I was filming on the streets of London, right? I was loving the, I was grinding. I was trying to get my viral videos, you know, I'd 
find videographers on, on, on the, the, the equivalent of Craigslist, right? Mm -hmm. It's called Gumtree in the UK. I find my guy had the money. So like, you know, pay them like, you know, 50, $60 of, you know, equivalent of a foot for like, come out for a couple of hours and, you know, bring them in with, oh, this is going to be fun. You know, we're going for magic, you know, like 21, like, I can't pay you a lot, but yeah. let's do this. So I tried a few different people, you know, help build some traction on, on, on Instagram, on, on Facebook. Um, and then when I had a small follow, you know, big enough follow, I, I, I was like, I, right, I need to take this seriously. I need to find someone that's going to be like, uh, that's going to be right for me. And also I'd say at this point, this is like a year and a half after, like, mm -hmm. again, it's, it's always levels up, levels up, yep. levels up, you know? So the level up, the beginning was nothing. Then I found my videographers for, for, for you know, that, that, that I kind of paid in a day rate freelance. Then I leveled up again, right? And I'm like, now, okay, I've got a bit of money in the bank. I've, I've, I want to invest in my business now. So then I did swipe ups on my Instagram. I put ads out on LinkedIn. Um, I brought in like an influx of people into like, um, you know, with an email, like Julius Dean editor, um, you know, at, at gmail.com. And then, and then we started, I started getting applications of videographers and I would ask them all the same questions. Like, you know, like, wh like wh why are you, like, what do you like name, age, location? Um, and then like, uh, you know, what, what have you, what pieces of content you've edited? Um, why do you think you'd love this job? Are you available to travel? Cause I needed someone that could travel with me. Cause I was going mm -hmm. to all these places, right? Like I didn't want someone that was just going to work a remote job in London um, or, or work, work you know, behind a desk in London. I want someone that can, that can give me some good energy. So I looked through loads of people, um, like 10, like hundreds of applications I got. Um, and then eventually I found this guy called Lee Hutchinson, this really cool Irish guy. He's, he worked in a tattoo shop. He was, uh, he was 19 and I was, uh, he was, I was 23 and he was like 19. And then, we, you know, and I was like, right, this is the guy. So we became best friends. We started traveling together. And yeah, he's, he's right now in Mexico heading up the whole, whole operation. So we've like both scaled and, and grown together. But yeah, if, if you're trying to do social media, like try and find that one guy that like has a good, that you just bounce off. Mm -hmm. It's about the editing, but it's also about the vibe. Especially like if you, if you know, if you're starting out, it's like, do you hire a videographer? Do you hire an editor? Do you hire a director? Just get one guy to start with, someone that gives yeah. you a good feeling. When you did this, how much of this is, um, like I know a lot of the TikTok stars that are now moving to YouTube, they literally sit with the editor and it's, hey, cut that one second, do yeah. this, do this. Like how much of it was being directed by you versus you found somebody that you felt like had a really good eye, had a really good skill set, had high energy, and you said, here's the raw video, was, come back to yeah, me. Yeah, no, I, I was, I'm very involved. Like I know how to edit Final Cut um, and I use, I can use like, um, you know, like, iMovie, but Final Cut's more, more advanced. But like, no, we sat there, we get the clips, right? We'd scrutinize the clips, right? I would, I knew what I, knew what I wanted, but mm -hmm. I'd edit it in a million different ways and be like, right, that's the cut, that's the thumbnail, that's a nice cut, that's a subtitle, that, that looks really nice. Yeah, we'd, we'd spend hours in it. Now, I don't, I don't, have, time, I don't have time for it anymore, <laughs> right? Now I've, I've learned to trust in the trust, mm -hmm. right? So now I have an amazing team that like I found over the years. Um, when we're creating content, it goes to them. And I'm not even, Lee, who's my like kind of head of content now, um, he, you know, he overlooks, you know, the rest of the team are all trained in the art of creating these like- Basically you guys figured out the model. Now you guys train the folks that you hire. Now those people have kind of the playbook or the recipe and then you just trust that, hey, we trained them right and they're gonna go and they're gonna exactly. execute. Exactly, exactly. Talk to me about thumbnails, titles, and like what I think a lot of people say, like there's the content, but then there's the rapper it comes in that can really have a big uh, impact, especially on places like YouTube, where literally someone has to click into the video. It's not just a, a kind of a, a doom scroll feed yeah. where it just pops up. Like your, your, t you, like your, your audience are probably super savvy and they're probably with it. They probably understand text. I don't want to bore them so much with like, oh, you need to do an exciting thumbnail, but like, yeah, 
make your thumbnail count. Your thumbnail is like the poster to a video, mm. uh, a poster to a movie, you know, like if you're gonna see a movie on the streets, if you're gonna see a movie, like it's gonna have a cool poster, right? That, that brings you in. We make our thumbnails exciting. We make them extremely clear. Like when you're looking at, you're looking at one thing, but again, it's different for YouTube than to Instagram and, um, and, and Facebook, like Facebook and Instagram doesn't matter as much. YouTube's obviously very important. If you're doing long form content, you want, this is what I would recommend. If you're, if you're watching right now, if you're listening to this right now, go look at your, like if you're trying to create content, go look at your favorite YouTubers, whether it's Gary Vaynerchuk or it's Nelk or it's Logan Paul or whatever it is. And then just understand, like look at their thumbnails, look how interesting it is what they're trying to create on the screen. Like they really do bring you in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about titles in terms of, do you, are, are you data driven on this or is it more of a gut feel? Like you can just say, Hey, I know that I want the title to be this. Do you come up with the title before you create the video or do you come up with it after? Right now we're on such a grind with our content. We're producing two videos, uh, two, like two to four, three minute videos a day. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're, we're creating literally, you know, 12 minutes of original content every single day. And I have a whole creative team and we're coming up with different ideas every day. So we don't really think, and also like I'm in the algorithm now, like, mm -hmm. YouTube has categorized Julius Dean as magic, pranks, and scary. Winner. Wait, that's it, right? I'm good. I'm good now. Same on TikTok, same on Facebook. But again, different levels, right? Mm -hmm. I'm at a level now where like the algorithm knows me, mm -hmm. right? They know exactly what, you know, um, you know, the same way the algorithm knows you as well. And mm -hmm. it knows what, you know, algorithm's smart. You know, it reads people for data and also reads channels for data. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you're starting out, definitely like make your make your titles exciting, right? If you're trying to start a podcast about, you know, how, how to make money, make make it interesting, right? Make yeah. it relevant to what people are looking up. How data-driven have you been over the years and actually, hey, we did something, we tested it or we didn't test it, but then we go back and we look and see like, what did that work, did it not? And let's actually iterate on this. Like, are you looking at the data or was it just over time you could tell like, oh, I know that video did well. Yeah, so, let's so the, way, the way that we've progressively, and I say we're number one in the world on Facebook. It's not true. Like some months we weren't. This month, uh, September, we were number two in the world on Facebook, right? Um, but we also, but then we came like, yeah. Anyway, but but the, the point is, um, we're relatively like we. Lo I, I love data, right? I don't have like a data team, right? Yep. Like I, I don't I don't think that most popular YouTubers, you know, Instagram creators, I don't think they have data teams, right? It's not like a not like a too, too corporate. But the way that we've kind of got to that level where we're smashing like every major, I mean, almost every major publisher out of the park. Like as I say, I have a relatively small team compared to um. Some of All the huge, media companies, huge, Buzzfeed, you know, um, just just um, some of these massive corporations with like yep. you know, a thousand, two thousand employees. Like you know, we have a very small team, and what we focus on is retention. Mm -hmm. That is the name of the game, right? Mm -hmm. So, say Facebook is a perfect example, right? If we can, okay, to monetize a video on Facebook, it needs to be a minimum of three minutes. Okay, all right. Um, now, now, um, the, the 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 virality comes from not not from the following. Right, because even if I've got 40 million followers or 10 million followers or 5 million followers, the virality, right, comes from recommended. Mm -hmm. and that's the same for every platform. All of them. So yeah, so, the, so, so, we, so we focus on getting high retention, right? Now, if we get high retention, meaning someone watches, let's say a minute of a three minute video, we will see almost every single time that the, 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 the platform, that the Facebook will push that video, mm -hmm. right? So we've been focusing on trying to get a one minute retention, but mm -hmm. we don't really focus on one minute. What we focus on, is getting them to the end of the video. Mm -hmm. right? If we can get them to the three minute mark, the minimum number to monetize, then if it's a good video, the, the average the average watch time might be a minute, a minute, 10 seconds, a minute, 20 seconds. We see like 
big. It takes off. Yeah, it takes off, yeah. So really, you can optimize the thumbnail, the title, click-throughs. All, all the other data points are important, but what you guys have honed in on, it it comes out of the retention. If you nail the retention, then uh, then the algorithm will go and they'll push Name it. of the game. Yep. I mean, you, and, 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 you know, and, and you, you can see it really. I mean, like, you know, Mr. Beast is a great example. Like, mm -hmm. why do his videos get 50 million views, 100 million views? Because everyone wants to see yeah. that million dollars be given out. Yep. The hook. Yep. When you think about the retention, do you have uh, like targets? You, you mentioned a minute. Is there a completion rate that you try to target on any of the platforms as well? Like I've heard everything from 60% to 80%. People seem to be we are, different. We are. We, right now, like my team and myself, we are shitting out content. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, we, like, we, like I mean, I've, com I've had conversations with Facebook and they're shocked. They are, they're just Why shocked. are you doing so much content right now? Why are we doing so much content? Well, why not? I mean, you know, we're 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 we're, we're, we're we've been riding a wave, mm -hmm. right? As I say, like, you know, we're, it's exciting at times because, I, again, I, I love magic and I've, you know, I've I love the the Julius Dean brand of, you know, when people come up to me, hey, yeah, you did the magic trick, you know, it's cool. I love it. I love being a magician, right? But during the pandemic, you know, it's been a, it's been a crazy year. Um, you know, and, and we kind of cracked the, the code on the code, you know, we, we, we like figured out, right? We're like, okay, this is how we're going to smash Facebook, yep. right? Um, but the good times never last, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure that will apply to, to, to you know, to, to crypto as well in some ways, you know, and, and to, to everything really, you know, any good piece of, the good, the good times never last. Um, right now we're all really pumped. We're excited. We're trying to create as much content as possible. Um, you know, I have a team that are, are like, they're working every single day. So it's like, why, why if, we're gonna, if we can create two videos a day, why would we create one? We're in a quantity game right now. And I know that we're like, what I'm doing right now and what my team are doing, we're in like a different position to like most influencers are just making their content, going mm -hmm. on the channel. Right now we're on this just crazy growth. Like, you know, the YouTube so you're channels- doing, You're doing 12 minutes of content right now. Let's call it two to four videos, yep. about three minutes a piece. Yep. What were you doing before you said, okay, step on the gas? Were you doing one video of three minutes? Like, like walk us through- Dude, kind of, it was, it was honestly like the same, like the same level of output. It's just, okay. I was way more stressed. I, did, I barely slept, mm -hmm. right? And it was, it was me, long story short, right? Where I was living in Mexico, right? When this kind of, we, we long story short, got a super- um, I was basically I was I was with my ex girlfriend during during uh, during during the pandemic in COVID, right? And we saw a video um, like go viral on Facebook, right? Of, of like these 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 like Facebook creators, and they got like a hundred million views. And um, it was like a really simple, straightforward like just imagine like a really one of those really silly pranks, mm -hmm. right? Where you know. So anyway, we, we basically recreated the video on Facebook, right? It was like a, it was like a sketch, it was like very clearly like you know what it's for entertainment purposes. Um, we re recreated the video, and that video. Um, that we created in 48 hours, I think it had like almost 150 million views on Facebook, <laughs> you know? And so basically somebody else, you got inspiration, almost recreated it yeah, uh, yeah very yeah. similarly. Yeah, it was actually quite funny. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. But basically that's it in a nutshell. Yep. Um, so, so and, we, and did that tell you the recipe when you recreated it? I already kind of saw what was going on. Yep. They, what they were doing is they were like, they were dragging the video. Um, right, it was, they were long. They were interested. Everything. It was. It was. It didn't tell me the recipe. Yeah. Look, I'm a social media geek. Yeah. Right. I'm sure you are a smart mofo in crypto and numbers and finance and business. Right. Like social media is my jam. Like yep. I live and breathe. I know. You know. I know. You know. I get it. Right. I like. And I, I know all the creators. I see what everyone's up to. Like you know. I know what's up. Right. So and, I, and I already kind of knew, but I never took the jump into like this kind of high retention, like creating these super viral videos. So anyway, yep. yeah. So. 
most people are going to know you for the videos, right? And when I tell somebody your name, uh, they may say, uh, I think I might have heard of him, right? But if I show them a video, it's like I damn ha- sure have known him, yeah. right? Whether it's the Drake video, like the super, super viral kind of inflection point ones, or it's just, hey, I was on Facebook, I was on TikTok, Instagram, whatever, and I saw a video and they, and they recognize you, right? So what you have is a very unique thing where a lot of folks, uh, I may have heard the name, but I couldn't pick them out of a lineup, right? And then sometimes, oh, if I see him, I know him, but I might not know what their name is. You kind of sit right in the middle of those two things. Yeah. Now, you've done a great job of building the platforms. The part that I think a lot of people don't know is this is a massive business, right? And massive business in the sense of you've got a team that's very focused on it. You're not hiring these people because you're running a charity, right? right? But also two is you're very, very savvy. There's a lot of people who create content who actually don't understand business. They don't understand um, kind of what to do with capital. And so what ends up happening is uh, they get paid money, right? Right. Whether it's through uh, ad deals, products they've built um, or the platforms, and they just sit on it because they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to reinvest in the business. You're doing the exact opposite. So maybe let's start at a high level of like how big is the business and can you tell us how much money you make on an annual basis can you tell us from a platform standpoint like how how do you think about how big it is yeah sure um so look um firstly off the bat you know it's an it's an eight-figure business right so that's off the bat clear that up um and then in terms of videos i mean we've had videos that 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 make no no money and we've had videos that have made a quarter of a million dollars Mm -hmm. right single videos that made no money and single videos that make a quarter of a million dollars one thing people don't know about facebook is facebook pays Mm-hmm. Right, Facebook pays, right? It's not like TikTok or like YouTube Shorts, or like Reels. Like Facebook pays. You know, if you're getting views on Facebook, they will pay you accordingly. So, all right. And when we think about this, how do you look at the revenue per video on the platform? So, if you have the same exact video, you put it on TikTok, you put it on YouTube, you put it on Facebook. What is the difference in the revenue per platform look like on that video? So, to be to be completely transparent, probably ninety five percent Facebook. 95 right. uh, per- I'd say I'd say look this, this is how the business model goes okay right Facebook is for me that's 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 what's allowed me to build the team yep it's allowed me to hire some of the best creators in the world right Facebook really came home for me mm-hmm. right because last year you know I mean I built this brand I mean a lot of people they know me Julius Dean correct right? I mean did I did a European tour that was you know some of it was completely sold out with you know, 10, 10, 10 shows across across uh, you know all of Europe and you know a lot of people do people see me they say Judas 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 like it's very it is very brand driven and you know obviously the geeky glasses probably you know help as well um, but yeah it was it was you know it was it's building building a proper business right it's not easy like you know you you know it and I know it that there are a lot of people with millions of followers on TikTok and Instagram and they're not really making money you know some of them probably not even making you know making like an annual like an average salary mm-hmm. right because how do you monetize Instagram, how mm-hmm. do you monetize TikTok? Yeah, you've got the TikTok creator fund that will pay, you know, I, listen, I've got, I've got, um, you know, we're, we're doing we're doing a few hundred million impressions a month right now on TikTok. My, my TikTok's gone from zero to 11 million followers in like a year. I'm making like 50 bucks a day, 100 bucks a day on TikTok creator fund, right? I know it's the same for other people, right? Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's like that for me and I have a big American audience, it's not gonna be different. But then, but then again, we know this already because no one's flexed on their TikTok creator fund, right? I've yeah. not seen one person be like, oh, I've cashed in on TikTok creator fund, fair? C- correct. Yeah, oh, yeah, YouTube is a different game, right? Why? Because if you can do long form content on YouTube, long form content monetizes really well, right? Why do you think that all these social media platforms, Facebook, right, moving towards long form content can only monetize a minimum of a three minute video? Mm-hmm. Instagram, IGTV, right? Why do they introduce IGTV? Oh, by the way, yeah, I'm on the beta program right now, and so are other people on monetization on Instagram, but it has to be long form content. You can't do it on 15 second reels. Mm-hmm. So all the platforms are pushing to long form content. That's how they can easily monetize. So Facebook's a great example um, because 
it's kind of adapted for longer form content, it means that they can put an ad in the video. Right now on YouTube Shorts, there's not money in YouTube Shorts. There's not tick, there's not directly anyway. There's not, there's not you know, obviously outside of that, there's products, there's brand deals. You know, obviously I'm not, I'm not like, traffic is traffic. I'm yep. just saying directly on the platform. Um, YouTube's not paying you specifically for the views on YouTube Shorts, but they're giving you massive distribution that helps you build a brand and build an audience. And then you can go monetize it. Listen, I, as I say, like, I've built 4 million followers in four, four, I've just hit 5 million on YouTube, right? I've just built 4 million of those brand new in the last like four or five months, right? Wow. Haven't made much money on that. I've probably made less money in, in you know, on, on YouTube in, in five months than I've made in, in, you know, one day on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of puts into perspective the difference of Facebook versus YouTube. Um, but yeah, because, because, you know, Facebook does pay because, you know, it's, it's got a more developed system where you can, you can put ads in long form content. Do you think at all about uh, doing brand deals or is like, 90 plus percent of your revenue just coming directly from paychecks from Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, et cetera? Um, I, I mean, I'll do brand deals every now and then. As I say, like I have been very involved in, um, you know, in, in this kind of like, you know, the way we almost see it, like, you know, buy into this or don't buy into this, right? Is it's almost like the biggest magic trick the world's ever seen, right? This like content powerhouse where we're like, we're using that like I am using. I say we because me and my like yep. my, my my A team that like you know my boys as well. Like made my mistake. Like they're not my they're not my employees. They, these are my best friends, right? Mm -hmm. Like Lee, this guy traveled the world with me. I, I found him when I was you know, when he was nineteen years old working in a tattoo shop in Ireland, right? And, you know didn't have a hundred quid to his name. Josh, my best friend from Miami. I met him when I was fourteen on a cruise ship. He's now working in the content house. These ain't my fucking like employees. Like they're my best friends. Some of these mm -hmm. guys, right? Obviously they're employees as well, right? But like it's a great great team. Um, but. Oh, what was the question? <laughs> uh, when you think about the individual platforms, that's where ninety percent of oh, yeah, revenue yeah, yeah. come from, or do you, or the other brands? Oh, yeah, no, no, but, but um, wait, hold, hold that, hold that. But the point, let me just jump on the, mag the magic part. It's almost like the big, biggest magic the world's ever seen that we found out a way of like utilizing magic. Right? What is a magic trick? You hook them in with something cool, you carry them through to the end, and boom, they receive a trick. In a way, like the trick is like how we're making people just watch through this content. Right. So like, um, and again, so much, so much quantity, but we're always following the same formula, but yeah. So it's, it's, it's been very, um, but, but because of that, because we've been so focused on the production company and, and, um, hiring the hiring process and like focusing, like, and also make no mistake. Like it might sound like, oh yeah, we're like killing it on Facebook, getting loads of views. There are swings and roundabouts and there are ups and downs, right? It's like mm -hmm. the bear bull market, right? On Facebook, like, you know, there's been huge downs where there's algorithm changes. Like this month, we've just seen a huge crash in the views. Um, so, so now we've seen like what's popping is Facebook lives right now. So right now we're like, we're like going hard on Facebook live because, you know, again, it's a retention thing on lives. You'll see if you, if you go on Facebook, you'll see there's been a shift to Facebook lives. Talk to me about the difference. So we do both uh, kind of pre-edited content and we do live content. How do you think about uh, planning the live content versus the the pre-editing? You can sit there, you can do 20 cuts. You can say, okay, that's the one that's going to take off, right? Yeah. That's the one that's perfected. Live's a lot harder. So how have you kind of navigated that shift as you've done more live? We, for, for lives, we're just, we're just coming up with anything exciting that could be like 15, 20 minutes plus, right? Whether it's a life hack or, you know, cooking a steak with, 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 with a thousand matches or like, you know, popping a pimple. We're just coming up with different creative ways every single day of getting people's attention, just like a magic trick, right? We're bringing them in with a hook and we're carrying them to the end. But I mean, yeah, Facebook Live's been a mad one. Like we've had videos with 100, 150,000 live viewers. Um, wow. And, and yeah, like, and I'm talking like on a regular occasion, mm -hmm. right? So like, I don't even, honestly, but I've been so out of the loop today. 
I actually don't know what the team's been up to today, but like, I'm sure if I go on my Facebook page, like, mm -hmm. you know, we've come up with some crazy wacky, like, yeah, content, but Facebook are also pushing original content, mm -hmm. right? It's a big one, right? Because on, on Instagram, like there's so much unoriginal content, like all these pages are just like resharing content, but like Facebook love original content and we're just pushing it. Yeah. But the answer to your question in a nutshell is I'm not taking brand deals at the moment, really, right? Because to be honest with you, like it's not worth the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm focused elsewhere. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to leave the team for like five days. If I have to go to do like, like fly over to like Belgium for some like clothing brand, something, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I've got my, I'm really focused right now. Like I've just, I'm, I'm in Miami for a couple of days, just having a little breather, just, you know, looking at a couple of things, like some kind of investment opportunities, but like, um, yeah, I am doing a few brand deals here and there, honestly, like big ones when yep. it's like, there's a, there's a clear focus, but yeah, it's not just like, I'm not doing something like swipe up for this, swipe up for that. Talk to me about, um, you obviously understand the content. You make money on the videos, right? Uh, if you do a billion views, or I think at one month you did 1.6 billion views on YouTube, they're going to pay you, right? It's a lot or not a lot, right? But, yeah. but but they pay. Facebook, obviously, if you're the number one most viewed page on the platform, six for, of 12 months, they're going to pay you, right? Right. What do you do with your money? How do you think about what you reinvest back in the business versus uh, saving versus investing in things that have nothing to do with content or your business? Well, listen, you know, I'm I'm very much learning. You know, mm -hmm. I'm learning the kind of the wave of like, right? How do I how do I um you know how do I maneuver this? But the the the, the kind of where what I'm my kind of portfolio plan is ten to twenty percent in crypto. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it will probably be more because I do believe in, I do believe you know I do believe this is just a crazy market with you know it's not. It's not going to crash and burn. I think this is an amazing market, but just, you know, to start with 10, 20% in crypto, you know, 10, 20, 30% in, um, in, um, in, in real estate, mm -hmm. you know, just de-risk mm -hmm. and diversify mm -hmm. 20, 30% in you know, FTSE 500 or, you know, kind of spread on a stock, on, on a kind of general stock market, mm -hmm. um, 10, 20% in the bank mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for a rainy day, just to make sure the team are running safe. Um, so yeah, just de-risk de and, and diversify. That is the, the basically game. the business is uh, the cash cow or where cash comes from, right? You then are going to save some for a rainy day, which I think everyone uh, would agree that's a smart idea. Then you basically go and you take uh, what most people would consider higher risk in the portfolio via uh, crypto assets. You're you know ten twenty percent whatever that ends up being, and then you've got a pretty traditional portfolio in the rest, right? In terms of stocks and real estate and that seems to be like a you know safe, diversified portfolio, but you also have some high asymmetry to it in terms of crypto assets or whatever. Uh, so it allows you to grow, but really you're going to build kind of wealth in reinvesting in the business and continuing the business more so than you are in any investments. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm really, uh, we're, I, I know that like we have something very exceptional. Like I know that like, my team and like my operation is something like, I mean, we're doing obscene numbers, obscene, mm -hmm. like, Numbers that the only people that are doing these type of numbers is like powerhouse publishers, like T series, mm -hmm. and like you know this month we did you know we did more views on YouTube. Oh, last month we did more more views, or I mean maybe it wasn't the month it was in the week or something. We, we did more views than like the most globally popular YouTube channel that always comes like number one, two, or three in like the global rankings. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. I'm like I definitely want to invest back and kind of figure out how we can you know move over to some type of like exciting product that we can stand behind. Mm -hmm. um, because you haven't done, one of the questions that I find very interesting is like, 
you've done everything with the platforms. Platforms pay you, they pay you um, uh, well. And then you haven't gone yet really into products. You haven't tried to uh, move from just content to these other things yet. Is that just a, there's like a sequence of events and and you're not uh, comfortable yet doing it? Is it that you've tried it, it hasn't worked? Like how, how do you think about products? Yeah, so, so as I say, right, I went, I mean, again, uh, it's almost like a Julius Dean magician, which he's still very much here, right? But it's almost gone kind of behind the, the operation somewhat. And now I'm posting content, on, especially on Facebook, that I'm not always in. Instagram's JD. Like, I don't post anything else other than the content on Instagram. It's like pure JD, Julius Dean. Um, but then Facebook, you know, it's almost like become like a distribution for me and my team. We're posting different types of content. But there is a little, you know, I, I guess it would just be to really kind of home in on the brand. I guess where like, Mr. B, I mean, you started the the um you know the the the, kind of the podcast by saying like oh one of the biggest global social media creators like in the world on a numbers basis that is factual right like mm-hmm. the numbers do the talking we're doing billions and billions of views a month we're doing more views than than all the creators probably put together right mm-hmm. I mean you know I mean and I'm not and that's not a yeah. flex that, that's, you did, that's look, a fact. Look, I looked at the data beforehand right. right and you know I knew you were big but I was like how how big is this yeah I mean, two billion views on uh, Facebook in September and 1.6 billion views on YouTube yeah, and that's, in and September that's, and that's not accounting for Snapchat uh, the Snapchat I've got two Snapchat shows both of the million plus subscribers and TikTok or, uh, and Facebook we did 46 I think it's 45 billion views 45 billion views since the start of uh, COVID now <laughs> So I know it's obscene. It's it's absolutely fucking obscene, right? There's no, there's literally. I, when I when I spoke with the, my team at Facebook, they were like, "You are without question like, you know, the most successful Facebook creator to have ever existed," right? <laughs> and I was like, "Cool." That's do, do you hang up and you're like, you like go and like take a lap and you're nah, like, I told my I told my boys and they were just like, "Shut the fuck up." Right? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was the only one that was excited about it, right? But listen, all that being said, right, the, the important point I wanted to make here isn't isn't how many views I'm getting, right? It's the fact that it's a different type of viewership than the core, deep rooted fan base that Logan Paul or mm-hmm. Nelk or um you know, Mr. Beast have, right? Mm -hmm. We have been shitting out these crazy, bizarre, viral videos that simply work, right? Use, I mean, and all my, also many of my team are magicians as well. It's almost like a kind of really cool magic, you know, we're we're almost using like deception and, and, um, you know, the. I mean, we were a really creative team, right? All like magicians, right? Lee was a magician, Tom, my creative director, magician as well. So it's very, very lot of magicians in the circle, which is really interesting because you wouldn't think that there are kind of like magicians. We had to hold attention with magic, right? Exactly, exactly. It's performing, right? Exactly. so yeah, but you know, it's kind of like we're still navigating the landscape of like how we're going to utilize all this traffic because the brand isn't a specific, right? Like yes, they might have much less viewership technically, but perhaps a view is worth a lot more to someone like Mr. Beast than to, you know, to, to be to be honest with you, mm-hmm. right? So we have the entire world watching the videos, but they're not thinking after this like, "Oh, I love that video. I love that guy. I that that video, I'm going to buy that guy's t-shirt." That's not what they're thinking. We're just you know, we're making it appear everywhere through great social media yeah. strategy. Right? It, it, it's, and every it, now and then I'll chuck in a magic video as well. And, you know, it's very unique to to have an understanding of uh, kind of almost the the quality of the view to some degree and understanding, is this a view that uh, they'll come back and watch my content? Or is this a view that I can take off platform and they'll go buy something from me or they'll show up somewhere, right? And it sounds like they'll definitely come back because you've got this massive audience. They subscribe, they, they uh, pay attention. You've done some of the live um, kind of tours and things like that and people show up. So you, you kind of check those two boxes, but yet still you're saying, hey, look, on the product side, like we've got to either figure out the right product or we've got work to do there in terms of being able to do that. We but do, that's kind of the do, next we step. We have a lot of work to do. 
you know yeah. we, we have a lot we have a yeah we have a lot of work to do yeah, and exactly. i also have a lot of work to do like both behind the camera running this like you know spearheading this team yep. and also in front of the camera like listen as i say i love magic i love performing i love being in front of the camera like you know i also want to you know get more involved as well yeah uh, all right. I've asked plenty of questions of you. Uh, yeah, I know that you're interested in Bitcoin, crypto, yeah, etc. What, what questions do you? I was going to say. So how, how do you how do you split up your portfolio? Yeah, uh, I am 95% in Bitcoin. Really? Wow. Uh, and here here's the way I look at it: is um, if you go and you talk to like a Wall Street investor or you know uh, our parents or our grandparents or whatever, uh, they'll be like, "That's insane! Like, what do you are you?" crazy that's the, the you know that's the most high risk asset you could invest in if you go into the crypto world and you go talk to kind of all the people who uh spend all day in this industry they're like dude that's the most conservative portfolio ever and so i love living right at the uh intersection of those two things right the legacy world thinks it's risky the new world thinks it's conservative and like that probably means it's perfect for majority of my portfolio right I, based on what i'm trying to accomplish then there's like the long tail of all the opportunities. So equities, other types of technologies, whatever, 5% and go spread it there. And what you're basically building is I'm building a barbell strategy, right? Majority of it is quote unquote safe, right? Or, or lower risk, more conservative. Um, and then the 5%, I'm willing to go take the most risk I can possibly find because that's where I'm looking for asymmetry. And you put those two things together and that's where I'm comfortable, right? But similar to you, right? I'm younger than most people that are, are really kind of uh, allocating portfolios. I'm only 33 years old. And my goals are much different than let's say somebody in their 50s. So I can I have that appetite to take a little bit more risk. And I'm also more comfortable with the technologies, right? You and I grew up with phones in our hand. We think about it much differently than somebody who is like, oh, when I was, uh, you know, 35 years old, it was the first time I got on the internet. Well, that's a little bit harder to convince them to go, and, you know, and do some of this digital stuff uh, on a general basis than it is somebody who's, you know, was in middle school or high school and they got a cell phone. Wow. So, so for that 5%, I mean, are you like referring to like kind of high volatility coins? So uh, you, the coins are mess around outside of crypto. So uh, no, it's all it's all right. pretty much in so you're crypto. You're talking about yeah. the eight, the, eight, the yeah, ninety five percent. So yeah, so like the five percent is um, in all kinds of different stuff, right? right. So uh, there's equity. Um, there's some of these uh, like tokens that are built into some of the stuff around Bitcoin and right. things like that. Um, and then there's also things that are like complete flyers. So a lot of times, like what um, people forget is that like in a lot of these early stage opportunities, there's been times where uh, a friend of mine, somebody that I've known for a long time, comes to me and says, "Hey, I'm going to start something new. It's going after this." specific industry. Okay, great. And like, that's literally the plan. And so I'll say, Hey, I'm in, I want to back you. Like I'm picking you as the founder. And what they'll do is they'll iterate a bunch of times. Sometimes they'll iterate. Next thing I know, they launch a uh, cryptocurrency uh, asset, like a, like a crypto asset that's literally a digital token that they had no clue they were going to do that in the beginning. Sometimes they end up launching an equity business. Sometimes they end up launching a service. So it's not even a technology company, like all stuff. And so what I found over time is like my best investments are just when I back the person, right? So for that 5% that I yeah, want to go and right. I want to allocate, it's just like, you know what, Julie, like you, you, uh, Julius, you've done a, a fantastic job, uh, you know, building stuff in the past. I'm just going to back you. Whatever, wherever you end up, you let me know how I can help you. Mm. And ultimately, if you back on, if you back the right person, no matter what obstacles come up, no matter what the challenges, no matter how the market changes, how competition changes, like any of this stuff, they, they just figure it out. And that takes like this element, I think, in some way that like, you got to be comfortable knowing that like I can't predict the future. But I think a lot of people invest in like, oh, I know that he's going to be successful or I know this product is the right one. It's just like, well, let me just back the person who understands this better and is going to spend their time looking at it and they'll figure it out. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And do you, I'm just on a practical level, I'm interested, right? Like, do you just, do you have like a, do you just, do you just sign up to Binance and just invest like that? Or do you have like a, a, a hedge fund that trade for you? 
Yeah. Um, so for all of my personal investing, I basically I do it myself. Um, I uh, I don't trade at all, which is a really uh, key piece to it. Right. And you know, you're similar to me, and like I got a bunch of shit going on, right? So like I don't have time to sit there and like look at charts, or uh, even if I did, I probably wouldn't be good at it, right? And I and I'm also not intellectually interested in it, right? So similar to you is that uh, if you weren't interested in creating content it would suck. You'd feel like, oh, I got to go do this again, right? When you enjoy it, it's much easier to do. So I do no trading. Um, I've got uh, you know plenty of accounts on all these different exchanges. Some of it's because uh, they've got access to certain things. Some of it's because they're in certain geographies. Some of it's because uh, I just had an account you know from years ago, whatever. Um, and then I'm very intentional in terms about the, uh, the custody of it as well. So I, I don't leave stuff on the exchanges, all that type of stuff, um, because these assets are a little bit different. It's not like you know leaving cash in the bank and there's FDIC insurance or, or whatever. Um, um, but I, I tend to think that uh, similar to your diversification strategy across your portfolio, uh, getting diversification both from the platforms you use, the custody services, um, and, and types that you use end up being really valuable as well. So what did you say? You, you don't leave what on the platform? You don't leave? I don't leave the coins on the platform. Cool. So, so like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? So if you go and uh, I, I don't want to use a, a name of a company, but let's just say you go, you sign up for an exchange and you buy uh, Bitcoin on the exchange. There's basically a couple things you could do with it, right? You could basically uh, buy the Bitcoin and leave it in oh, the I account, right? right? Now, um, for all intents and purposes, most of the well-known, regulated, large exchanges, uh, they've got great security. There's, there's, you know, kind of no reason to believe that um, it, they're going to be hacked or anything like that. There's always the possibility. And right. so one of the beauties of Bitcoin is that you can get self-sovereignty. So what you can literally do is you can go ahead and you can take that Bitcoin, right. you can withdraw it, right? And you can do self-custody. Now, self-custody, I always say, is similar to, um, you know, if I said to you, hey, you should take your cash out of your bank account, right. right? And go put it at home. Well, if you got a little bit of money, no, you know, not a big deal, right? You go put it in your sock drawer, right? Or, or in your wallet. Well, if you got a lot of money, then all of a sudden it becomes really hard because what are you gonna do? You're gonna go get duffel bags and duffel bags full of cash and like, you know, put them in your closet and hope that no one finds them? No, that's crazy. If it's a digital asset though, now all of a sudden it can literally, it could be on your phone. It could be on a hardware wallet or, or whatever, so right? You got, you got a safe at home with a ton of ledgers, yeah? Yeah, I, I do not, no. Uh, yeah, right, but, but, but not say that too loud, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone's get your address. No, but- uh, no, but, leg no ledgers upstairs under his bed <laughs> in the safe. Code 3373. Julius has all the ledgers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, at your house. <laughs> but, but, I, but I do think that there's this element of, uh, uh, it's empowering. Right to be able to take custody of the assets yourself, um, but also I think that there is uh, a, a lot of value in um, the more public you are. Right, is leveraging some of these other services, and so I spend a lot of time kind of making sure that these other services um, I, I leverage them for diversity, so not everything's in one place, and, and they've got the right security mechanisms, etc. Uh, but I think for the average person, like just when you buy it, don't leave it on the exchange. Now, if you're going to buy and sell, and you're going to try to trade or whatever, you may have to leave a little bit there. But just take it off, right? Put it into your own custody, and yeah. you're off to the races. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What, do you own any Bitcoin or crypto? I, honestly, I own, I own a little bit, a little bit. But, but I'll, I'll be completely straightforward with you. Like uh, technical issues, let's just call it that. <laughs> Meaning that, like, I've had some problems with some of the exchanges. Yeah. Because um, so. it's much harder than some of the legacy finance products you may use. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But no, I, I'm. You know, I, I'm. I'm. I'm very keen, and I'm very. You know, planned. As I say, want to. I, I say like 20 percent. Like I would. Definitely up that probably 40, 50, 60% of my portfolio, like going into crypto in the next year. Um, do you think there's going to be a, a, a crash, a Bitcoin crash anytime soon? <laughs> so uh, the the like multi-trillion dollar question yeah, is true, true, true. Uh, be, yeah. Bitcoin moves. Well aware, by the way, well aware that is a very generic question. Yeah, but yeah. I'm still interested to hear what you have to say. 
Bitcoin moves in cycles. So right. uh, it goes into bull markets, price goes up a ton, right? And then it goes into bear markets, price comes down a lot. So right. there's been multiple times where Bitcoin's drawn down more than 80%. So everyone now understands, okay, we're in a bull market. We went from, uh, you know, kind of October, November last year, $10,000. Now we're at 60000 uh, And there's a general belief in the market that it's going to go much higher. Okay, wh- whatever happens. Wherever, if it goes to 65000 or it goes to, you know, 300000 whatever happens. Uh, the question is, is there that 80% crash again or not? Uh, I think there's two schools of thought. One is, oh, there's all these institutions now that are holding Bitcoin, right? You've seen nation states, you've seen the big financial firms, like they're in the game. They're not going to just dump all the Bitcoin when the price goes down. So uh, we're going to break out of that cycle. So now all of a sudden when it goes up, it may crash a little bit, but it's not going to be 80%. Right. The other school of thought is, no, the market is still nowhere near as mature as it needs to be on a global basis, uh, and the institutions are going to be even more fearful, right? Because they're going to be the first ones to sell because they're not doing this for some uh, kind of like a religious belief that this right. like, oh, no matter what happens, Bitcoin is going to be successful. If it starts to go down a lot, they're going to be like, hey, we're losing money. Like, get the hell out of this thing, right? And then it'll just uh, uh, kind of make it even faster a decline. I tend to be uh, a little bit in the middle, but lean more towards the fact that there is likely to be a bigger crash than people think. Uh, but I think that is because there's likely to be a bigger gain on the front end. So if you think about what ends up happening in bull and bear markets of all assets, but but Bitcoin specifically, the more it goes up, the more it shocks people, right? right? So if I told you, hey, Bitcoin's going to hit a million dollars you know, next year. You'd be like, what are you talking about? 60,000 today. No one can believe that. I don't believe that that's going to happen, right? But that would be so crazy that by the time it got there, everyone would be like, uh, should we sell our Bitcoin? Like, it's worth a million bucks. Like, that's not what I think it should be worth. And so then they all start selling. When they all start selling, the price crashes a bunch. So I don't know kind of what will happen in terms of where it goes, but I do think the higher it goes on the front end, the bigger the drop on the back end. And so ultimately, it's like you'll kind of know, right? If all of a sudden this thing shoots up 500%, well, guess what happened last time? It went from 10 to 60,000. It crashed all the way back down to 30. It's 50% decline, right? Yeah. And then we came back. And so I think that it's not going to go to zero, but there is likely to be a lot of volatility, uh, but it's predicated on how fast it goes up, not necessarily on what happens when it goes down. Right. And have you, have you got a pot of capital ready to disperse for when Bitcoin drops? I, I don't really trade around it, right? So like, and, and maybe that's the dumb, right? Is like, there's a lot of people I know who if Bitcoin goes up, they'll sell it, right? And then they'll try to buy back lower or whatever. I don't think I have the confidence to do it myself. Um, and then also, too, is uh, the, the peace of mind you get with just like, hey, when I buy Bitcoin, I'm literally going to hand this to my grandkids one day. Right. It's just like I, I, I'm never selling. No matter what happens, I'm not selling. Right. And maybe that's dumb. Maybe it's not. We'll find out. But like worked out so well, uh, well so far. Now, I do, um, you know, as I make more money from income and things like that. I definitely try to deploy it when I think prices are better than others. So if all of a sudden, you know, if we went from 60,000 to 300,000 and I was like, oh, you know what? I think the price may drop. Sure. I may try to wait a little bit to buy or something like that. But again, in some crazy way, like if you bought Bitcoin at $20,000 in 2017, right? Literally the top of the market uh, in the last cycle and you held it until today, you're up 300%. Right. So like in some crazy way, like even if you buy it at the top of the the last market and you hold it for long enough, you end up being OK. But it, it just what are you really optimizing for? You try to take a, a, a really, really good investment and make it great. Or are you OK with it being really, really good? Like really, really good, you know, much better than it being a bad investment, losing money or anything like that. Interesting. And, and do you think it's going to go to a million? It'll, oh, it'll definitely go to a million at some point. Really? The, the, when you think of price, you got to think of price and timeline. And the timeline, I think, is the part that uh, everyone is going to debate. But you have a fixed supply asset, right? There's 21 million of them ever. 
Okay. If you have a fixed supply asset and demand for it increases, the price has to go up, right? Supply, demand, economics. Uh, why would the price go up? Or, or I'm sorry, why would demand go up? Well, they're printing a bunch of money. There's undisciplined monetary and fiscal policy. Uh, governments around the world are doing all kinds of crazy stuff, confiscating, taxing, all this stuff, you know, right? Like, there's a couple of different reasons why you could see people may want an asset that is finite, that no one could take from them, and they could send anyone in the world without asking for permission. Right. Right? So, okay, so if demand increases, well, would demand be 20 times higher than it is today, right, is like one way to kind of think about it, which would get you to around a million dollars, a little over a million bucks. Uh, there's only, you know, in some estimates, like 100 million people. So you got to get 2 billion. So do you think that about one-third or so, you know, a little less than one-third of the world is going to want an asset like this? Probably. Like, I could see that happening, right? And yeah. so then you get to a million bucks. No, I, I definitely hear you about, like, limited limited uh, supply. But you could also say the same about a pump and dump, limited supply. Oh, of course. Not, not comparing Bitcoin to a pump and dump. Um, but, I mean, look, if I talk to my friends who are a bit skeptical of Bitcoin, they say, oh, it's the biggest – some of them, you know, and I'm sure you'll hate this, but I'm sure you've heard it as well many of times. Course. The biggest Ponzi scheme to ever exist, right? So the question I'm asking you is what what actually is the worst thing that could happen, right? I mean, is there a chance – is there a chance that, that Bitcoin – crashes and just you know you lose you lose 95 percent of your of your wealth yeah so i think that there's um a couple of ways to look at this right is like um, what you're basically asking is like like underwrite the the risk that i'm taking or underwrite the the downside and i don't think it's a binary uh uh answer so what you have to do is you have to look at it probabilistically so if you would say okay what is the most extreme outcome that has likely a low probability of happening well it could quote unquote uh uh, break, right? What I mean by Bitcoin breaking would be uh, somebody was able to gain 51% of the hash rate and take control, right? It would break the idea that it was decentralized and no one controlled it. Uh, there could be some bug that was introduced in the software development process, right? That would that could be exploited, right? So this whole idea that Bitcoin's never been hacked, that could break or, or not be true anymore. So there are like what I would consider catastrophic things that could occur to the actual technology or the, or the network the probability of that happening is so, so small now, right? It's so decentralized that you would have to spend literally, you know, probably a hundred plus billion dollars to try to take over the network, which would be very difficult. Uh, the process to upgrade the code is so methodical and so intentional that the odds of a bug being introduced very, very small, right? So when, when you look at that, it's like there are very extreme things that theoretically could happen, but the probability is very low and they're highly mitigated. What is more likely, right, higher probability, but not nearly as catastrophic is could the price go down? Absolutely, right? If uh, more people want to sell it than buy it, then the price goes down. Right. And we just saw earlier this year, it went down 50%, right? So like, it's not um, insane to think that there couldn't be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% drops in price. Uh, but what you can do with Bitcoin that's really interesting is you can actually look on the blockchain itself, what are people doing? And if everyone's holding it, then there's only a little bit available to be bought and sold. And therefore, it's really hard for the price to go down because it's so illiquid. Everyone's holding the asset. But if all of a sudden everyone starts trading it and, and spending it and, and selling it, well, now there's a ton of sell pressure, right, or, or, or people dumping the token on the market. Well, yeah, the price is probably going to go down. Right. And so I think that if you look at it from like a, I want to be a trader, I don't know how anyone trades this asset. It is so volatile, right? And and uh, there's so many different co complex uh, inputs from what's going on in the Bitcoin world to what's going on in the macro world, right? What's going on in the public health world? Like all that stuff plays into what happens to the Bitcoin price. So if you get out of that game and you simply just say, hey, I'm going to buy this stuff, I'm going to hold it for a really long period of time, you absolve yourself from having to pay attention to all of the short-term price movements, and you simply say to yourself, okay, is this finite asset going to be more wanted 10 years from now or not, right? And 
ultimately what I think most people arrive at is likely or maybe, right? So they don't say yes, guaranteed, 100% certainty, but like, yeah, I could see that happening. And so what they do is they don't put, you know, 100% of their portfolio into the asset. They take like one to 5%, they buy a little bit of Bitcoin, they put it to the side, they forget about it, they don't look at it, and they go about their day investing in other stuff, whatever. They turn around, and if they've held it for long enough, it usually is appreciated pretty aggressively, and they're, oh, that's awesome that I bought some of that. But if I lost 3% of my net worth, I'm mad at myself, right? But I'm not going to like uh, not be able to eat dinner, right? right, right I'm, right. I'm not going to ha- not, not have a place to live. Right. And so I think generally it's like risk management like with anything, right? Is you, you say, hey, look, 10, 20%. Well, why don't you go put 80%? Well, because you're doing risk management, right? Because you need cash, you need stocks, you need real estate, whatever. That's ultimately what people I think are going to end up doing. That makes a lot of sense. It sounds like you've got your eggs in a pretty... Pretty, you're pretty fan about your way you're putting your eggs in. <laughs> Here, here's my last question for you is, uh, as you go around the world, uh, everyone loves magic. Are there investments or things around Bitcoin and crypto that you've seen in all these different countries that like stick out to you over the last, you know, let's call it five years or so? Yeah, definitely one actually okay. yesterday, right? So, you know, made it long story short, got a friend. He's like, oh, come to my crypto fi- crypto mining warehouse okay i went in here in miami in miami yeah okay. i looked around i mean it's just like, what the fuck is going on like, <laughs> i mean is this literally money printing because like if you're talking about crypto going up and they're talking about printing bitcoin you know uh, whatever you know whatever it is like looks like looks like money printing to me modern day money modern day money printing i mean you, i'm sure you know about crypto mining farms but you know it's impressive listen honestly at a baseline like like my investment strategy is not going to be that complicated. It's going to be like probably put in a little bit over time when there's a nice crash, chuck in, you know, chuck in like a good amount, um, maybe work with a hedge fund just or, or someone I really trust that can yep. do some investing for me as well. So personal investing, just to have some fun, to mm-hmm. see the ups and downs. You know, it's nice to <laughs> nice to look on the, nice to look and be like, oh, okay, you know, it's gone up 40%, 50%. Um, but yeah, the, the crypto mining like factories are, very interesting. Like you like look, that. Look, look, I mean, I'll tell you the breakdown of, of kind of how I understood, right? Because you know, I was literally con- I'm just considering like, is this a good investment? Yeah. The the actual machine, called it's called a pod. I mean, I mean yep. you know, I'm telling you this, but for people who may who may yep. not know about it, right? Three and a half million dollars. That's how much a pod is. Electricity, it's like roughly fifty thousand dollars a month, right? Mm-hmm. So call it call it um you know call it total give or take four million dollars in a year, yep. right? With three and a half being your hard cost. Um, apparently, makes for, it can print or you know however you call it mine yep. four to six Bitcoin a month, right? Which is you know at the current rate. I mean, it's like call, call it like two hundred and fifty to three hundred fifty k a month. That's how much is printing up. Like how much is mining a month of Bitcoin? So in one year, you made your money back on on the initial investment. Now it's profit. Yeah, a Bitcoin miner. Like, that's pretty crazy. Now, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's a great business, and I would even say that uh, what a lot of people look at is they look at the cash flow like you just did, right? Yeah. So, hey. But I, know, I, know, I know it depreciates over time. I'm, I'm aware of that part. So Yeah, so you basically buy the equipment. You have electricity, right? What you're talking about is a very upscale, hardcore miner, um, but you can even buy ones that are you know much less effective, right. but they basically, you know, a couple thousand dollars or whatever. Uh, and so you can mine back until you basically break even, right? right. So, hey, I made my initial investment, now I've got enough. But what miners have figured out over time is if you hold the Bitcoin and it appreciates, you mined, let's say in in the uh, example you just gave, you mined 50 Bitcoin in the first year, right? And so uh, you basically cover your cost as of the price right now. But if you hold it for four, five, six years, right now, all of a sudden, Bitcoin's price is 4x. Well, the Bitcoin that you mined in that first year, it wasn't just covering your cost. You actually made four or 500%. 
right? And then plus all the other Bitcoin that you mined in, in future years. And so I think the name of the game in mining is basically like make sure that you are mining the Bitcoin, like the cost to produce one Bitcoin is lower than the price that it is at that point. And then two is do everything you possibly can to hold it. So some miners, they have to sell the Bitcoin to get cash to pay for the electricity bills or their employees or yeah. whatever. But if you're in a position where you can basically mine it and hold it, and you're producing, right? If you think of it as producing the Bitcoin for less than it would cost to go buy in the market, then it's a great business, right? You're basically producing something that's less than it costs and you hold it and it goes up in price over a long period of time and it becomes more and more profitable. Like, why would you not do it? Yeah, I mean, listen, the answer to that, to your question of why wouldn't I do it is because I don't understand the market enough and it seems like, a, it does seem like a great investment. What? Buy a money printer, <laughs> buy a Bitcoin, you know, the, 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 the hottest, you know, hottest internet currency to ever to have existed in the last, you know, in the 25th century and just print it. Sounds great. You know, sounds like an, an obvious uh, investment. But, <laughs> but, you know, if you don't understand the market in which you're operating, it makes it a difficult investment. That is correct. All right, I'm going to let you go. What? Uh, where should we send people if they can't find go you to, on go the to my, internet? Go to my Instagram, at Judas Dean. Go to see the crazy, wacky viral videos on Facebook. <laughs> You'll see like, you know. Um, yeah, thank you guys. It's, and it's thank great. you as well. Thank you as L- well. Listen, I've, uh, I've learned a ton from you. I appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate you coming and doing this. But Thanks, uh, I'm excited that you're, uh, you're getting more into investing as well. So it will, uh, we'll definitely have to do this again in the future. Love that. Thank you, Pomp. Appreciate it.